0: denver sports presents the mile high baseball podcast here's jake shapiro of denversports.com welcome into the mile high baseball podcast with jake shapiro and yes i'm wearing a hockey jersey not a baseball jersey it was jonathan taze's final game for chicago blackhawks yesterday so thought i'd honor a legend that had won a lot of hardware over his career something the Colorado Rockies have not done over their franchise's history uh they went two and four since I last talked to you with an off day yesterday they're out in Seattle to start a three-game set with the Seattle Mariners this evening and I was around the club quite a bit this past week I I went to the game against uh Washington on Thursday for opening day then I was around on Monday and Wednesday um And I wanna tell you a little bit about what I learned. Um, I also want to tell you, uh, maybe preview a possible later show, which is I, I really do plan to write and talk about this salt lake city is making a bid for a major league baseball team which is going to impact the rockies i think in many ways if they indeed get one um i've got a really good buddy in salt lake city and i'm going to try and get him on to to go back and forth with me because he he will have obviously an interesting perspective on that um i want to start here with the rockies on herman marquez Marquez has right forearm tightness, and that can be a little bit scarier of an injury for a baseball pitcher perhaps than, you know, just hearing, oh, your forearm's tight, you know, you slept funny or whatever. That normally is indicative possibly of a guy who might end up getting Tommy John I'm not saying that's where it is because Marquez has had some elbow stuff in the past and it ended up being not much. He was just had to rest for some time. And he said this injury feels similar, but it's more sore than painful. And he's already been put on the injured list. And I think we're really going to know if he's going to miss an extended amount of time or if he's going to miss just a couple games, maybe just a start. Based off who they call up to fill in on his spot, I think that's the Sunday game that Marquez was going to pitch in. So if they call up a prospect, you might say, hey, Marquez is going to miss some time. Peter Lampert even, uh, you know, he might miss some time if Peter Lampert gets called up. But I think Lampert would be the— easy guy to call up no matter what he's only made two starts for the isotopes neither have gone well but you know obviously he's got some big league experience so you look at that 40 man and try to figure out who they're going to call up uh, without having to put someone on the 60-day injured list but from a Marquez perspective and a Rockies perspective he's their best pitcher he's been worth about three wins above replacement per 162 games every season he's pitched had a bad year last year. Only time he's ever not been above league average in just about everything he's done. And it's coming that his career's kind of hitting a tough point here last year and now this year with the arm soreness. Coming at a terrible time because he's in a contract year and next year he's got a player, uh, a club option, so the Rockies are going to be able to do whatever they want with him. You would hope with the Rockies... That they're hoping for Marquez obviously to be healthy, not only for them to regain one of their best pitchers, but he's a no brain trade candidate at the deadline for a team looking to acquire a very good pitcher that will have the option to extend him for another season at a pretty nice cost. What will the Rockies do without Marquez? Again, I've, I've kind of laid out what, what they might do in the short term. Long term, they don't have many pitching prospects. I talked about that a little bit last week. After Freeland and Marquez in the rotation, it is dicey. Jose Urania had a good start this week, but man, I don't want to trust Jose Urania, and I don't want to find out what six and seven in that rotation would look like. I've already seen four and five. So, yeah, I think the Rockies are in a tough spot, and this is where I look at it and go, this is the recipe for how the Rockies would lose 100 games, is Marquez goes down. Freeland, you know, comes back down to earth here soon. We'll talk about him in a second or gets hurt. And then all of a sudden you're without the two pitchers that are holding up your club and everything can start to unravel. You've already start to seen the bullpen unravel a little bit here. The last few days, which by the way, I don't want to blame them completely because the, uh, the rotation or, or I'm sorry, the, uh, the defenders, the, the the defending in the infield has been atrocious. C.J. Crone, Ryan McMahon cost your team on back-to-back days with just errors you should not make, and it's just a stark contrast from where the Rockies have been with their infield defense in the past. And I think that's, you know, as someone who talked about, oh, you like their infield a little bit. <laughs> I do. I do like their infield, but it's different to have Nolan Arenado. It's different to have ezekiel tovar and uh montero be your shortstop and third baseman than it is nolan arenado and two lower story and nolan arenado they're just different levels of player at least at this point in their career so this is a young baseball team in some spots very old in others and not a very good one and you see that when you look at the cardinals depth and, you know, you might say, Jake, you know, two, two errors go the other way, and the Rockies probably win those games. You're right. The margins in professional sports are that small. There's a reason every single NBA game comes down to the fourth quarter, it feels like. You know, baseball, it's just, it's not timing. It's not fourth quarter. It's maybe an error in the sixth inning or an error in the seventh inning ends up being the biggest play of the game. And you don't have a chance to get back into it in the ninth. But I really do think the, uh, the, the margins are that small in baseball. We just don't talk about it enough. I mean, there's a reason why the Rockies will win at least 60 games, even if they're the worst team in baseball, which I don't think they are. I think the Nationals are. But you have to overcome those mistakes. And that's what the great teams do. They erase mistakes, they pick up their teammates, and they're able to move on. What do the Rockies do? They make the air. Justin Lawrence, two pitches later, home run over the fence, game over, essentially. So That's what I notice when you see, you know, the worst team in baseball and then a good team come here and one homestand back-to-back. And Nolan Arenado, talked to him this week. Every time I see Nolan, every time I hear Nolan's name, I go, that guy should have been here for his entire career. It's the biggest sham, shame, whatever S-word you want to use that's not very nice, Shapiro, <laughs> that has ever happened with the Colorado Rockies organization. He's the best player they've ever had. And you might say it is forced, but I will tell you, it was unforced that they traded him for not much. And it doesn't even matter. Like They could have gotten, gotten cargo back like they traded Holiday. Cargo, or a player like Cargo, would not have been the same level of player as Nolan. And it's not like Nolan had the best homestand ever here um, in that little series. But you miss the plays. You miss the defensive plays. You miss the clutch hitting. He's such a great RBI guy. We all know him, and he should have never played a game in another uniform. And yeah, he kind of forced his way out, but that could have gone a lot differently had someone in that organization had some courage. One particular person, we know who that is, the person who makes all the decisions. So yeah, I'm always bummed out when I see Nolan. I am. I'm always bummed out when I see Nolan. But it is great that we had the time with Nolan um, I don't know and I can't promise you that the Rockies will ever have a player as good as Nolan again. Um, he's going to go into the Hall of Fame and he's going to be wearing a Cardinals cap and that's a shame. And that's kind of what I was, that, that's the undercurrent of the whole time every time the Cardinals come here right now is the second highest paid player on the Rockies is Nolan Arenado. The most worn Rockies jersey in the stands still is Nolan Arenado. Played for the other team. By the way, he's hit, I think, three Coors Field home runs in the last two years. Chris Bryant, who the Chicago Cubs fans told us was the best third baseman in baseball year after year instead of Nolan Arenado, he's here now. He's playing He's playing a lot easier of a defensive position. He hasn't hit a Coors Field home run yet. He's played a lot more games here than Nolan, and I know he's been hurt, but, like, come on. Just goes to show you there's there's different levels to this, and Chris is a good player really good player nolan is an all-time player and that's the difference between nolan and chris and i have always thought about that in baseball you know like chris obviously was the best player in baseball for a year but that doesn't make him an all-time player baseball is this rare sport where if you go back and look at the lineups you'll have really good players that actually had better seasons and were better like better position in the batting order, like hitting 3-4 compared to a Hall of Famer who might have been hitting 5-6 or 2-1. I was thinking about this with Prince Fielder. Prince Fielder was one of the most dominant hitters in baseball for 3-4-5 years. He is never going to even sniff the Hall of Fame. But he, he was such a big story and such a big part of the 2000s and 2010s. Derek Lee going back to the Cubs, same way. Meanwhile, you know, (laughs) you've got other players around them that are Hall of Famers. You know, CeCe Sabathia was on that Brewers team for a hot second. Um, Greg Maddox was on that Cubs team for a hot second. So it's just interesting because sometimes the star on your team is not actually the guy who ends up having the Hall of Fame career. Uh, Speaking of Hall of Fame careers, Todd Helton, obviously, Rockies have a first baseman for the first time two years in a row, same first baseman since Todd Helton. His name is CJ Crone. Should they have that first baseman for two years in a row? Probably not. They probably should have moved on from Krohn last year at the deadline when his value had peaked. And now you're seeing with Crone why he was a minor league pickup, why the Angels had moved on from him. His approach at the plate over this homestand was garbage it was god-awful some of the worst at bats I've seen from someone in a baseball uniform he is in a major slump and he follow, he's following up an all-star year with an okay second half of that year and a really bad start to this year I'm really curious to see how Bam Bam the new hitting coach kind of impacts the Rockies but so far early returns and we are early we are you know 10 12 games 14 games into the season Early returns to me, not good. So, those are the things I've been watching the Rockies with uh, here the last few days. Been talking with people, talking to Buddy. It's good to see Buddy again. It's like, hey, where you been? I was like, I was in hard news and covering basketball, but I'm back. Um, so, it's good to see some of those people, um, some of the same faces around with the Rockies, um, and i'm gonna end on this note right here kyle freeland awesome through three starts and i really really root for kyle we talked about it after the last podcast a little bit or in the last podcast with kyle being a hometown colorado guy one of the names we mentioned was a fellow left-hander that i think graduated high school the year after kyle in colorado marco gonzalez He is going to be taking on his hometown Colorado Rockies tonight for the Seattle Mariners. He's had an up-and-down career. Um, I always love watching Marco pitch, another guy I faced in high school, um, playing for uh, Rocky Mountain in Fort Collins. But uh, I'm, I'm interested in this Seattle series because you've got Gomber, who has not started the season well, Feltner, who's not started the season well, and then you've got a third pitcher who we don't know yet and this Seattle Mariners team is not running out their best pitchers. ERA is just looking at it four two two four three five, 435, and then Luis Castillo one Oh two. So Sunday could be a tough one for the Rockies, but you're going to get to see, you know, Julio Rodriguez play in the series. You're going to see some good stuff. So, uh, this is a series worth watching at least early on in the season. I don't know how much worth watching it is from a Rockies perspective. um, but it's a quick one, and then they're back home against Pittsburgh, uh, and I'll be around the ballpark for those as well. So where I'm at with the Rockies is this Herman Marquez injury. Either is a couple of missed starts, no big deal, or it could derail the entire season. Uh, Chris Bryant's got to do better. C.J. Crone's got to do better. The infield defense has to be better. And the Rockies could end up with a new rival that takes up half their region, in the coming years and we'll talk about that on the next show thanks for tuning into the mile high baseball podcast with me that's right i am jake shapiro Uh, i don't ever know how to do that um (laughs) we'll talk to you next friday every friday at one o'clock uh that's where this podcast is it's live socially and you can catch it wherever you find your podcast on replay uh or you can just go to denversports.com where you'll find all my writing i've been writing about the rockies all week so find that stuff as well thanks for tuning in